Attention, veterans and entrepreneurs, you do not want to miss this conversation we are about to have with the founder and president of the board of Infinite Hero Foundation, Colin Baden. I hope I did not mess that up. I practiced it like crazy. And also the executive director of Infinite Hero, Courtney Janes. Thank you for being Hello, Colin and Courtney. Wow, that was a bad cold open right there. <laughs> we'll make up for it as we go along. <laughs> as you're watching this, as I yeah. like to say, laugh with me, laugh at me, just laugh and come along on a journey. We're going to have an awesome conversation today. And, and Colin and Courtney, I know you are so busy with Infinite Hero Foundation right now, especially with uh, one of your major annual events coming up in July. Yes, you, our big, uh, it's our eighth um, our eighth year doing this event. It's called the Ravenna Invitational and it's in Littleton, Colorado. It's a fantastic day of golf and community that one of our board members actually hosts each year. So we're, we're very fortunate to have him put this on for us because it's not a small undertaking and they work months and months to make this the success that it is. So we're ramping up for that right now. So if you're in the area or you really love golf, let me know. We'll get you signed up. Yes. If you love golf and you really have a heart for veterans, you need to be at this event. I, I had the honor of being able to attend the 2017 event. And it was the setting is incredible. What really was profound was being able to talk with the veterans and the leaders of the organization that in organizations that Infinite, Infinite Hero um, supports and to see what they're doing, the impact and the the leverage that Infinite Hero has because of the of your model for how you support other uh, nonprofit organizations, other service organizations, and, and to get a chance to get to know them, to hear the stories, meet the people face to face is just like my gosh. So it was humbling having dinner with um, you know those that have, those that have served and uh, suffered for it, and then and then come home. Yeah, I think that's something really unique and special about this event is that you get an opportunity to really spend some quality time with, um, you know, our veterans and, you know, we have active duty military that come out and participate as well. Um, but just to kind of be able to have that touch point and hear their stories personally makes a big mm -hmm. difference. I think it connects people differently to the mission and it gives them a better understanding as to what we're doing as an organization and the outcomes. You know, I think it's always exciting to be able to hear firsthand the impact that we're making as um, an organization in partnership with these amazing programs that we're funding. Yes. Well, for example, the uh, exoskeleton that helps those that have been uh, paralyzed to be able to walk. Could, could you share that story a little bit? I mean, the Infinite Hero Foundation was instrumental in having that approved by the by the Veterans Administration. Is that correct? Well, that was before the, uh, my time, you know, but I first. On... Uh, okay. Sorry. Early on, we, <laughs> nope. uh, when we start, started the foundation, um, uh, we met a, a, a gentleman who had been injured in Afghanistan, a guy named uh, Gary Linfoot. And uh, he uh, was in a helicopter, he was a helicopter pilot, and uh, he, he had lost the use of his legs uh, in a crash. And um, we were looking at uh, investing in different uh, areas of um, uh, mobility uh, uh, devices in the world. And uh, we came across this uh, company that built essentially a, an aluminum uh, exoskeleton that uh, Gary could strap on to his back and uh, could actually uh, walk. It, 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 re it replaced his legs. Um, it was uh, cutting edge technology, and so it, it you know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, it, it was something that required two people. So his wife uh, Mary uh, always had to be there with him to to operate the device. But it was the beginning of a in a path of investment that the foundation took on, uh, which led to. Um, us investing in an, the next device, which was called an iBot, essentially a wheelchair on four wheels. And the user can uh, push a button and the wheels rotate and the user is then now pivoting off just two wheels, but he's at 
eye level uh, with with uh, anyone he's around and, and essentially could use it like walking, only it's on wheels. And that's something that's wow. very robust. It's something that uh, the VA became very interested in, but it all started with that exoskeleton with Gary. Uh, and Gary's now rocking around on a on an iBot. And it's uh, something that uh, Infinite Hero, Hero continues to invest in. It's, mm-hmm. it's been part of our... It, it's it's a, a success story that's also uh, easy to, for someone to understand. We've invested mm-hmm. in a lot of things that are really complicated, uh, require you know lots and lots of uh, research hours, uh, and and the results are are not uh, as evident uh, as it is in Gary's case. But they are all you know incredible investments that Infinite Hero has been able to make, and. Uh, make a difference in this veterans community yes it, and how colin you started infinite hero when you were still working as uh ceo of oakley and how, how did how were you able to do that with such a demanding you already had such a demanding job and i look at that and go you know highly highly capable and productive people are always super busy and able to get stuff done but it just boggles the mind to think when when you're already so in you know so up to your hips so to speak in uh in a high level executive position to be able to start something like this how how did that come about uh well i wasn't alone i have a, a great partner in crime a guy named uh, eric poston uh he ran and still runs today oakley's military division which is a group of people that handle uh product development and sales directly for first responders and military and uh you know, it's a it's a incredible aspect of Oakley's business because it really uh, it challenges you to do your best work. Uh, these people depend on these products to uh, protect them in unpleasant situations. <clears throat> so it's, it's really something that if you're a you know an innovator and a design geek, you, you can really push your limits in that space. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is you get to meet some amazing people, uh, you know, that 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 serve on our front lines. And something I I was always amazed to find uh, this community so compelling uh, that when we we're at war, as long as we had been, um, a lot of the people I got to know. Uh, you know, we're close to people that were hurt serving our country or were hurt themselves or unfortunately didn't come home at all. And it, it, uh, both Eric and I, it wore on us. Um, there was a tragic uh, Chinook helicopter uh, accident in Afghanistan. About 38 people were on it. It was shot down by an RPG. Eric and I mm-hmm. both knew people on that aircraft. And it was kind of a moment that, you know, in both of us just snapped and said, well, we've got to, we've got to get some guns in the fight and, and, uh, and get in helping these people. And, uh, we were simply going to just start funding different charities that already existed. And Eric and I had the idea, well, Hey, you know, we're an authentic company. Wouldn't it be great to, to follow a model that, that made Oakley so successful that we would invest in crazy harebrained ideas in ways that maybe other charities hadn't. And maybe some of these things would work and we could do a whole lot of good. And, uh, and so we were essentially a venture capitalist and that we would not run programs, but we would find some really good ideas and get them going. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was the basic model, and so through uh, a revenue stream created by by Oakley initially, and now by a broad group of people who have invested in Infinite Heroes ideas, we we've, we've managed to help about thirty eight different uh, groups. Uh, we've raised in the last ten years about. I don't know, five, $5 million, probably helped close to 60,000 
veterans and their families. And uh, that's incredible. It's really been a, it's really been an awesome journey. Yes, indeed. And it, it's transitioning back into the civilian population is difficult under the best of circumstances. And especially with um, something that, it, that it, I had never thought about until um, talking with, with your folks at Infinite Hero Foundation was we've got a, a whole generation of military veterans that were ba basically spent their whole career in wartime mode because of the global war, um, global war on terror. They haven't really known civilian life as opposed to like my dad's generation from World War II. And you know, he told stories like how it took him uh, like a good year to stop hitting the deck every time a car backfired after just three and a half years in the Pacific. And I can't imagine what that's like having spent an entire career or, you know, several years and then coming back wounded, disabled. And uh, we don't do a good job. For the, from the civilian side of things, of, of really delivering on our on our debt to them, our promise to take care of them when they come back. Yeah, we're we're, we're you know, if you work at all with the VA, you know, it's a huge organization, and we spend tons of money uh, in this community. Unfortunately, you know, you drive around this country; it's a big place, and yeah. these people have gone back to their homes and. Uh, it's hard to have access to great care uh, when you're struggling with the ravages of being in combat for so long. And yes. Infinite Hero is really just a small piece of a giant network that needs to be in place and supported if we're going to be effective at all in helping these people uh, regain a normal life. And... Uh, and so we're just one little piece of that narrative and it, it, it will never be big enough. It just won't. Well, in all fairness though, it seems that the way you've structured infinite hero and the, and the impact that you're having is really more like a, a small hinge that's swinging a really, really big door in terms of the impact that you're having. Well, I, I just I keep my, I have a very high anxiety about how I, you know, I know I'm going to, meet somebody that missed out on, on some treatment that would have changed their life. Yeah. And I just, they're, they're right around the corner. And, uh, and I, you know, I can, I, I see, I just see the possibility of always being present uh, for a community that's, you know, it's going to go on for years. I mean, this stuff doesn't just go away. We stop fighting. It's there. It's, Yes. And, and uh, we've got we've got to we've got to have more guns in the fight. Yes, we do. And, and you're bringing some some great resources to the table with that. Courtney, you, you joined Infinite Hero Foundation in 2019. I did. Which which is right before massive challenges came to, you know, came to bear <laughs> in, in 2020. How? how yes. <laughs> The timing, right? <laughs> yeah, timing's everything, isn't it? Holy Insurance. cow! Who, who knew? And fortunately, you you know you were there to to bring your leadership ability to the table as well. What? Um, geez, I've got like five questions crashing together. Right? <laughs> what do you even say about that? <laughs> what, but how? How? Definitely... You've, you've had a lot of experience in in the not for profit arena. Yes. In in high level leadership roles did that help prepare you for being able to to weather the storm in in 2020 because it's just not for profits has, have been devastated just you know even worse it seems than um, than the for-profit sector in terms of not you know not for profits that just didn't make it because yeah. resources dried up they weren't able to, to to do their mission how did that help prepare you for being able to lead in such a, a turbulent environment i have to say i think you know being in the nonprofit space and the leadership role in that space, um, you know, you learn to do more with less. I mean, that's just kind of the the mantra, at least it has been for me, because I always firmly believe that the more that we can do, um, you know, in that space, um, 
with less resources almost, um, the more of an impact we can make because we're then putting mm -hmm. more of our funding where it really needs to be. Um, you know, and a big piece of that is having the right people that are part of that community. So, you know, your board members, your advisors, um, you know, they're integral to the to the outcomes and what that looks like. You know, as a organization, I don't think any nonprofit could have been really well prepared. None of us were for what COVID brought. Um, you know, I think all of a sudden it was like, okay, we have this this thing that's happening. So let's let's pivot and push everything a few months. And then everything started going from a few months to to six months to oh a whole year's passed and we're still kind of in this limbo and then that continued on for another year and i think we're still seeing the impact of that with you know little blips in the radar of what you know um what that looks like you know from a event standpoint or oh we have you know an outbreak here <laughs> you know whatever whatever that might be and so i think it's just always being um flexible and open-minded in terms of what that planning can look like and setting clear goals. And I know that um, is easier said than done, especially coming out of what, um, you know, COVID presented us with. Um, but as an organization, I think, you know, we are very proud of the fact that when COVID did come, um, we were working incredibly closely with our partners that we were funding, actively funding at that time. Because a lot of those programs were in-person programs that had to come to a, a, a halt. And so, um, you know, as, a, as, you know, somebody that leaving the organization, it's like, well, how can they, we continue to make an impact, continue to bring services, um, continue to get help to those people who need it most, um, despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And, you know, our program partners and the organizations that we work with are, are just truly incredible. And, you know, after a lot of, I think, back and forth and conversations and trying to figure out what, what was next, a lot of those programs were able to shift to a virtual platform. And so during a time where things were closed down and, you know, people were struggling to get access to support and care, um, we actually served more people than ever during COVID because really able to pivot to make those those more accessible. So mm -hmm. we were actually able to reach a broader audience with the virtual piece. And, you know, not to take away the importance of in-person programming, because I think that there is certain components of that, depending on, you know, what your need is and the type of program that it is. But to know that those people get continued care and that that didn't have to stop. Because I'm sure you've heard, like so many of us have, the stats coming out of COVID, especially in the military and veteran space, with increase in suicide by 20%. Um, you know, even active duty, they're seeing a 30% increase in suicide. So oh my gosh. when you're looking at these staggering numbers, it, it it's always about, well, what, what can we can, can continue to keep doing? How can we mm -hmm. make this continue to work? And so I think, you know, when you talk about... Um, you know, the positive things that have come out of this period of time, it's being able to, you know, make those, those shifts and the way that we were managing those programs and make sure that people get can, can continued care. Now, moving forward, the exciting thing is a lot of those programs now have a virtual component. So there's not an access to, you know, receiving the treatment that you might need, just regardless of where you might be located in the United States, because, you know, oftentimes we see, you know, people being in remote areas or, or not having the access, they can't get out to Texas or wherever that program may be. And so I, I do think, you know, when we're looking back at lessons learned from what we've just gone through, you know, being able to be flexible and continue to work together as a, as a team collectively with our program partners uh, made all the difference. And again, having the amazing support of our board um, our grant committee and those individuals that are such an important part of our mission and, and just keeping lines of communication open throughout all of that. I know we were having quite a few calls with the board of, you know, kind of, well, what does this look like? What are we doing? Um, and being able to share those updates from at least the, the program standpoint and reassure those people that invest and, and give their support to Infinite Hero that, hey, we're committed to working through this one way or another. And we're going to make sure that those people who need it are going to get the help that they need. Yes. And what, and, and did your, um, what you looked at in organizations to invest in shift during the pandemic as well? 
Um, you know, we have the five pillars that we focus on as an organization. I think um, given some of the challenges that we were seeing, especially in the brain health and the suicide prevention space, we did mm -hmm. focus um, some of our funding in that arena uh, during COVID because we were trying to meet the needs that we were seeing in the community. You know, uh, in the conversations that I was having with um, other organizations, um, you know, we're constantly focused on how we can collaborate and work together and kind of come up with solutions and, and keep open lines of communication. Um, that was at the heart of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think um, just continuing to, you know, have, like I said, that clear and open communication, you know, makes a big difference. Well, and I think uh, trying to be good stewards of, of uh, the resources that we are able to raise, um, managing the outcomes and understanding how the efficacy of these investments, you know, takes, it takes a ton of work. Um, mm -hmm. We don't just write a check and walk away. You know, we're connected at the hip almost uh, in forever. And uh, some of these organizations, you know, they take off and they don't, they don't need our support anymore. They become self-sustaining and are doing great work, whether we're involved or not. And, and some struggle a little bit because of what they're trying to accomplish. So I think we're, we're a little unique in the way we, we take ownership. We don't run a program, but we take ownership of the, of the, of the investment and, and we, we carry it through and make sure that if it, if it's, if it's working wonderful, if it needs some tweaking, we, we do that. If it ultimately didn't work out the way we had anticipated, you know, we'll find the next great program and, uh, and do it all over. Um, but it is a, it is a full time commitment to make sure these dollars really do the work that we expect of them. Very much like, as you mentioned before, like a, a venture capital approach or even a private equity approach yep. to the organizations. Yeah, we're very connected to the outcomes. And, you know, like Colin said, it's, you know, continuing to have that ongoing conversation and staying connected throughout the program um, to monitor what that looks like. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, like during COVID, we were seeing from some of our partners like a 300% increase in requests for, you know, brain health services, mm, wow. mental health services. 300%. Um, Yes, we have a one Holy of our cow. partners that they were seeing between, I would say across the board on average, people were seeing 150 to 300 percent increase in requests for mental health and suicide prevention programming support. Um, and, you know, the the conversations that were had during that time were hard conversations, but it was about what can we do to, to kind of try to meet those needs and make sure that um, we are being good stewards of, you know, the funding that people entrust us with. Well, and depending on on how they are delivering the services they offer, you know, being able to scale quickly for that big of a spike, that, that must have been a huge challenge. Oh, so definitely. Some of them, some of them seem yeah. to have models. That, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, it's something that, you know, still being, you know, focused on and worked through. I mean, those those numbers are still out there. Right. So even though programs were pivoted and and be able to make adjustments to reach as many people as possible. There's still a great need out there that we're seeing, um, mm -hmm. especially with the impact that COVID's had um, from a mental health perspective and a lot of those, you know, different areas that we serve in. Well, and one of the things that, that impressed me when I first learned about Infinite Hero Foundation was uh, that you also addressed the entire family too, though. It's, it it helped the, the veterans but also, you know, there are times when it's really, you know, the veteran experience in the military when someone serves, so a lot of civilians, I don't think, realize it's really the whole family that serves in a sense. And it has a big impact on the family. And often they're not included in the services that are targeting, you know, help, helping veterans get what they need. Has that been something that's, that's, a, that's new in the veteran resources space? I think uh, what's what's changed. I mean, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, charities that that 
are focused on family support in that, that community. Um, but our, our specific look into the mechanics of mental health and well-being, um, she, uh, he kind of brought a new, at least in our world, brought a new voice to the table around how to help the entire family, but not in the traditional sense. We're not, uh, you know, we're not providing counseling or, you know, what you would traditionally expect to see. We're looking at treatments that can help a family unit, or we're dealing with leadership uh, in in a in the space of innovation that can change the dynamic in a family setting. So it's. I would say it's not a, it hasn't been a historically a traditional approach for Infinite Hero, but that's in alignment with its mission of uh, okay. kind of solving problems the way it had already, it had always approached problem solving. And, and Courtney had mentioned the five pillars for uh, Infinite Hero Foundation. Could you tell us more about that? So over the 10 years that we've been doing this work, um, you know, our, our methods and, 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 uh, uh, way of describing our work and, you know, evolved like any other business over time. And we found if we look uh, that we look back at where we have put our dollars, it was these five pillars that seemed to best reflect the kind of work we were doing. And it, it helped frame up for the board, um, you know, how we, uh, look at the grants that we make. And so th with these pillars in place, it, it became much easier to say, okay, this, this fits our mission or no, this is, this really doesn't fit within the work that we do and we should, you know, find a place for it, but it's really not what, what, what infinite hero would, would, uh, it, it, where we do our best work, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. So sure. in the five pillars, we, we, we look at, uh, PTSD, suicide prevention, uh, family support, leadership, and uh, and mobility, uh, and within within that group, you know, it's it depending on uh, where we're seeing the greatest need. Uh, you know, where we began our little adventure, we spent a lot of time on mobility, uh, and I would say within the last two years, we've spent most of our time in in mental health and and uh, and uh, the kinds of investments reflect uh, the shift of where we we saw the greatest need. And there are also, you know, groups within our portfolio that are are things that we feel strongly about and we just continue to invest in and uh, knowing that uh, maybe just by their nature, they'll never reach critical mass uh, the way some of our other investments have made, been have have been able to, um, but they're still very relevant to our mission. So we continue to invest in them. I have a, I'd like to shift to a little bit different kind of question. And for both of you, you've, you've had very senior leadership roles in organizations that do a lot of great work, both in the, in the not-for-profit and for-profit space. Over time, as, as your careers have advanced, how has the way you perceive your role and approach your, your role as a leader, how has that changed as, as your responsibilities increased? So I've gone completely backwards in my career. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live how on is a that? Rock, the Pacific, so I... I, I I, I can't say I, I can say that I have spent more time thinking about Infinite Hero just because I have the bandwidth to do so, and uh, mm -hmm. and we we as an organization have done a lot of good, but it just feels like uh, people that get to know the work that we do and um, the kind of uh, street credentials we've been able to build over the last 10 years and just the expectation of what we could do is so much higher than our reality 
and and that's something I'd I'd always challenge uh, the board to have in the back of its head that you know we're doing some great stuff, but you know it's just scratching the surface of what we could do. And I I I see uh, limitless possibility in the work we could be doing in this space. It sounds and like it, the effect of the, the more the more you do, the more you can see can be done. Yeah, and look what's going on in in first the world of first responders. It's all relevant. Yeah, it's all it, it all could be leveraged in such a great way. And some of the treatments we've exposed could accelerate and become wide widely adopted. You know, it takes the it takes the VA a long time. I understand it's a large government organization to adopt new ideas it all has to be vetted and proven and you know people are hurting <laughs> be easy yes. to, to to quickly adopt some of these new ideas and they have like this year alone i think the va has just started in a similar vein put money out there that doesn't necessarily check all the boxes of the the government documents and and i think it's an exciting time for the va because if all this stuff pans out the way it has for us um, maybe some of the things that we think are of value in this space they they will fund just because they've they've proven it and uh, we'll, we'll get some braver people uh, to do wonderful things what and it seems in the in the not-for-profit space there's a tendency for donors, unlike in the for-profit space with investors, they want to see, you know, they're after outcomes, typically put a dollar in, get more dollars back. Yet in the not-for-profit space, that seems to shift where donors have a tendency to, you know, as you mentioned, where there's more box checking as opposed to a focus on outcomes. Has that, has that been an effect that, that you've found helps or, or hinders? Well, I think, in, uh, you know, uh, my experience working at Oakley is, uh, your success was always tied to your credibility, your authenticity. And, and I think if you look at our board composition and, uh, the work that we've done, you know, it's all roll up your sleeves, uh, authentic, uh, work with real outcomes that are measurable and that's the legacy i think that's made us as successful as we are we're not we don't look for people with deep pockets we look for people with passion and in a real capability to make a difference so it's we depend on that which is really hard <laughs> but it's it, you, you can't replicate it. You can, it's not, you know, it's not BS. It's all, uh, you know, an honest commitment to the cause. And it, that to me has served us the best. Um, and sure, we struggle struggle for, for uh, dollars at times, but, you know, that stuff can come and go depending on our fundraising efforts. But if you don't have the other part, then it's all you know, it's, it's not real and it's hard to be passionate about it. Hmm. Yes. And, and the passion comes through in, in your, in your mission statement and in, in reading your website is looking at how, how you approach articulating the mission statement and the five pillars and the pledge. I want to read this to make sure you get this right. One of the quotes that, that really stuck with me is look for impo the impossible challenges and drive through to find solutions. That's, quite a commitment yeah and it's it's just right out of the brand book of oakley <laughs> really okay <laughs> it's, 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 it's super simple <laughs> but it worked really well there and i expect it'll work really well for us and i you know but well, it seems to be it seems see, to be we just want it a little bit bigger <laughs> yeah so is is twenty twenty two the tenth anniversary for Infinite Hero? It yes, big ten. <laughs> no small feat. <laughs> <laughs> Can't 
<laughs> Courtney, I, want, I wanted to ask about your perspective on leadership, having done a lot of work uh, with leading large not-for-profit organizations, because part, part of it is in the 1990s when I was doing work with, with uh, larger corporations, one of the things we started to hear was like, look, if you really want to learn how to lead, go get involved with a not-for-profit organization largely because of some having to uh, work with so many volunteers, such a different uh, dynamic or different thought process than being in a typical corporate environment. What, it's, what it's, has... a different, uh, it's definitely a, a different approach, I think. <laughs> but I think could, there's could obviously you... things that are consistent and overlap, but I think your mindset in the nonprofit space is a bit different um, in the way that you're approaching your day-to-day -day and, um, I think there's, for me at least, there's a different sense of accountability um, because the outcomes of what we do as an organization at Infinite Hero or any of the other organizations that I've been um, part of is service to others. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I put quite a bit of pressure on myself, probably too much at times, um, but I do feel so personally responsible uh, for you know, the impact that we're making and helping to change and better other people's lives, right? You know, when I think about the sacrifice that, you know, our military and those that have served have made for our country, um, you know, I feel this incredible responsibility and, and sense of accountability to do whatever I can and, and to make Infant Hero as successful as possible so that we can really, you know, live in and, and continue to grow our mission. You know, like Colin said, I think we've just scratched the surface and I firmly believe that, um, you know, I, I've shared this with the board. I'll share it now. I think, um, you know, the last two years of, you know, going through COVID have certainly been the most challenging in my career. And, um, you know, I think mentally it's, it's definitely presented a lot of um, tough days to say the least, uh, especially when you, see what's on the line. You know, you, you understand the outcomes and the importance of being able to do the work and invest in what we're investing in. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's going to be changing and even in some cases saving lives. So it's an immense amount of pressure I put on myself, <laughs> to say the least. But I do think, you know, from a leadership perspective, um, you know, when you're really invested in something, when you have that like heart connection to what you do each and every day, um, you know, you are holding yourself accountable to everything that's kind of going on and the outcomes. Um, and at the heart of that is is wanting to be of service to others and to make an impact in the space you're in. I think you'll find success in what you're doing. Um, like I said, not to mention that, the, the, you know, the, this, those hard days aside, but they are part of what strengthens you. You know, um, I think being able to navigate, you know, the challenges that the last two years have presented and, and to still be where we are today. I, I'm very proud of that, but there's so much more work to be done. So it's kind of like resetting that, you know, hitting the reset button. Okay, you know, let's move forward and see what's next and what we can do as an organization to, you know, really get this thing to continue to grow and have a bigger impact so that the success of the, of what we're investing in can have a ripple effect because it's not just necessarily, and you talked about this earlier, it's not just on the person that's going through that programming. It's in those people that are connected to them. So their family, their friends, mm -hmm. Um, the people that they might work with, it, it has such a significant impact um, across the board, you know, and when you talk about like, you know, the family impact piece that, you know, is one of our pillars, the family support, you know, one of the programs that we're currently funding right now, the third phase of that program is to bring the family in and have them go through certain parts of that programming with that individual. Um you know, and hearing, you know, when we get to hear like the success stories or, you know, I get a chance to talk to somebody that's going through the program um, and you hear from them and you hear that, that tone in their voice that, you know, um, just that moment of they're finding some relief, they're finding hope, you know, not just for themselves, but for their loved ones. It's, it's an incredible gift. I really don't think I could be in any other space. Um because I get more way more out of it than I could ever give um, just on a personal level because of those moments, you know, they drive me, they make me work harder. I want to be better each and every day. And I want to do that for infinite hero and continue to, yeah. 
you know, like I like Colin said, we've just scratched the surface and I'm calling away trying, trying to scratch and scratch. Um, well, it must be so sad. so gratifying to be able to see the impact that it has and how it helps the veterans oh. and their families. Oh, it is. I mean, it's, um, it's what keeps me going, you know, it keeps you wanting to push harder, drive more, do more, um, and continue to be better, you know, on a daily basis. And, and, you know, it's kind of my mindset at least, and what, you know, allows me to get up and push each and every day to be, um, as successful as I can and whatever my endeavors might be for the day, whether it's just getting through the emails that have come through overnight or, right. you know, <laughs> getting a chance to connect back with the organizations that we work with, you know, I think building those relationships and you've got to experience a little bit of that and see that at, at the event that you attended. It's just a really, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so unique. Right. Um, and the fact that everybody's collaborative, you know, it's not a competition, you know, mm. oftentimes in the nonprofit space, I wouldn't say oftentimes, but you will see it's a bit of a competitive space. You know, everybody's kind of competing for dollars and what that looks like can can take away from the the fact that we're all in this together. And so just being in the space that Infinite Heroes created in this collaborative space, in this funding space, it's just such a unique community because we're all coming together to see how we can be stronger together. What can we do to, to, to serve more? people and make a bigger impact and having had the opportunity to participate in one of the re re annual events at Ravenna as you're watching this if you golf you need to be there it's an incredible golf course there's so much more to the experience though and I, hearing some of the pre hearing the presentations of organizations that infinite hero has supported what they're doing what kind of results they're getting where they're headed it was just some which are are founded and led by um war fighters themselves and to hear their stories was just i mean it still gives me chills just to to think about the impact that was represented by those organizations and then to you know to meet and sit down and break bread with um with some of the wounded veterans that have been uh, you know helped through infinite hero foundation was uh, just put a really fine point on it on how much of an impact you're having how and, and how that is changing the lives of the veterans in ways that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Like Colin mentioned, you know, those would have been people that we'd bump into on the street and go, Oh my gosh, we, you know, we didn't do enough to, to make sure that person got helped. We have a, uh, we do a grant cycle, uh, once a year. How many, how many applicants did we have last year? Oh, it was, close to, it was around 180, give or take. Um, wow. Yeah. Looking for our help. And so out of that 180, we helped three. Yeah, we're funding three, three programs this year. So just give you an idea of scope of what that and that's not it's it, 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 it it's it's more out of probably more out of a, a function of you know staying true to our mission, but at the same time, there's 180 people asking for our help and we helped three of them. It's uh, there's a lot of need. Yes. <laughs> yes. So how how are donors attracted to Infinite Hero? Does it, does your 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 um like the pledge on how you're approaching the, the Infinite Hero has in terms of you know looking for the impossible challenges and finding the solutions, the five pillars? Do those help attract uh, donors and volunteers that are needed? Well, I think I think the way we've uh, over time. Uh, coalesced around those five pillars has helped tell a simple story about a complicated message. And I, I think that that has probably made Courtney's life a little easier. You know, you don't have to have two hours to explain how brain health is important in this space. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you only get a little bit of time to convince somebody to invest in your cause in this simpler and more direct we can make it at infinite hero that it's it's helped um i do think our our support base uh has changed because of things that are are going on like the pandemic uh it's it's all been positive but it's never it's never a it's a fluid environment when you say courtney that 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I think um, the one thing that is consistent, those people really resonate with our mission and what we're trying to accomplish um, because it isn't your everyday run of the mill, like, Oh, we're, you know, helping X, Y, and Z. We're just taking a unique approach to, to try to really move the needle on what recovery looks like. We're reimagining that on a daily basis. And I think people really can resonate with that, especially when they're, when we're able to share outcomes and talk about that as an organization, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, there's some really amazing um, stories that have been shared that, you know, I think when people look at the whole picture um, really, you know, confirms for donors, I think, especially like that this is for them where they want to invest their their time and energy and and dollars. So how can how can people get involved with Infinite Hero Foundation? Well, I mean, the first step is visit the website. We have quite a bit of um, information on there. It just depends on the capacity that they'd like to be involved. You know, we have people that reach out, you know, consistently about opportunities and and looking for different ways to be involved. I mean, giving is always a wonderful way to be involved, um, you know, to help us continue to do the work that we're doing. You know, first and foremost, you know, we can't do that without the support of the amazing community that that does give throughout the year. And so we're continually looking to grow that and and, um, you know, build out our base of supporters. So by all means, (laughs) that's a that's a great way. But, you know, if there's programs, um, you know, that they'd want to have conversations about. I mean, I think the closer we get, you know, Colin mentioned we have a a grant cycle um, that is yearly and there's different, you know, deadlines throughout that cycle. Um, we have our first big deadline coming up July 1st. So I've spent significant periods of time in my day each day, um, the last few weeks talking to prospective organizations, you know, so if that's a, if that's something that, you know, an organization's watching this and wanting to know how to get involved, reach out to me and let's have a conversation and talk about the programming that you're offering. And if that meets mission and if there's potential for us to work together and what that looks like, um, you know, I'm always open to those conversations and it, it doesn't always end in the fact that like, Oh, Hey, this is the perfect fit for our mission. But what I walk away with is an opportunity to learn more about what's going on in the space. And who knows, we may have a veteran that reaches out to us, which happens quite frequently looking for support. And I can connect them. You know, it's all about, I think, creating a community where we're coming together to do the most that we can for those that have served our country and, you know, just keeping open lines of communication to figure out how we can support one another. Excellent. And it seems there's also volunteer opportunities as well. I know we've only got two minutes left and I wanted to ask about the, the your second annual uh, Heroes and Hot Rods oh, yes, event that's coming sure. up. If you're in, as you're watching this, if you're anywhere near Southern California or uh, you can hop a plane or drive, you need to come out for this event. This looks like this is going to be incredible. It's going to be if you great. Don't mind, I'd, like, I'd like to share the, this is the, gra- yeah. the graphic that's on your uh, home yes. website for that. It's our artwork for the year and um, those vehicles are at, will be at the car show, as a matter of fact. Um, nice. The vehicle, the truck in the background is an Infinite Hero tribute truck that one of our supporters oh. had. I think it's 800 hours of custom paint work that went into that vehicle, and that'll be at the event. Um, we also have a whole bunch of military vehicles coming out that span, I don't know how many different years. I mean, it's World War II vehicles to current. Um, we have the color guard coming out. We have active duty um, nice. folks coming out to be there to present, have a table. And then we have all these amazing vehicles that are coming out, you know, all different types. And we do um, uh, cackle car fire ups. I mean, it's unlike any other car show you've been to. I guarantee that. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be a great event. If, if it's given how well you have, um, <clears throat> produced the Ravenna event every year, this is going to really be something special. Yes. And we do love to welcome our volunteers for that. So if there's somebody that would like to come out to help us that day, um, I will will love to hear from them. (laughs) Excellent. And, uh, you know, we've got, as you can see, as you're watching this, we've go to infinitehero.org. We've got that scrolling for you uh, at the bottom. We'll put it also a link in the notes after uh, the broadcast. If you're watching this on replay, and I just one last closing question. What would you 
both recommend to people that want to do more for veterans. They really, you know, they're really starting to to develop a heart for veterans, understand the need there. What what would your advice be for them on how to get started? I think if you go to our website, uh, you can find all of the organizations that we've spent time and money on. Uh, they're there for a reason. Any one of them would die to have help. And uh, it's just, a, I, I think it would be, it's a great resource. If you want to get plugged into this space, you will find it in that on, the, on our website, infinitehero.org. And uh, if I if I had been aware of all of that when we started this journey, we'd be we'd be way down the road of success, a lot further. Uh, just because building up that community with uh, uh, you know an authentic lens in place, uh, it's all vetted. It's incredibly valuable. Uh, that would be a great place to start. And if there's any questions that people have that we can answer for them from Infinite Heroes perspective, um, there's a contact us button on the site and those emails come to me um, and our operations structure and we respond, you know, normally within the day. So we're happy to kind of help guide people or answer other questions that might that may come up. Yeah, and, and I can attest to that. Infinite Hero does, is very responsive, does a great job of responding to that. Some organized organizations don't. You know, you send in a request for information or ask a question and, and don't hear or it's a long time. And, and Infinite Hero has always been very prompt in responding. Courtney, Colin, thank you so much. I apologize we ran a little bit over. I know you've got um, things to, to, to get to, other meetings. And, and thank you for taking time out of your hectic schedule for talking with us today. Well, thank, thank you, for, you having for having us. Time. It was really nice to, to connect with you today, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you. And as you're watching this, thank you for being part of Wolf's Watch. And as always, we will see you on the trail. <laughs> thank you, guys.